0: Welcome to Worship in the Word with Generations Church of Granbury. You are invited to stay tuned for the next 59 minutes to enjoy some inspiring music from one of Hood County's wonderful congregations as well as an encouraging message from the Bible. to me you are so good to me You ride up on the clouds. Come on, shine. You ride up on the clouds. You lead me to the truth. You to the truth. You are the spirit inside. You are the spirit inside. You ride up on the clouds. Sing. You ride up on the clouds. You lead me to the truth. You are the spirit inside. You are listening to Worship and the Word with Generations Church of Granbury.
1: Well, I think that heaven is celebrating with us. How fun was that? How many souls are now sealed unto the day of redemption and we're secure and stable in our Father's love? So this is a big celebration day and I felt like the Lord wanted to share about, sorry, here it is. Um, so one of my favorite passages in scripture is in Malachi, where he says, then those who feared the Lord talked with each other and the Lord listened and he heard a scroll of remembrance was written in his presence concerning those who feared the Lord and honored his name. They will be mine, says the Lord almighty. "in the day when I make up my treasured possession, I will spare them just as in comparison in compassion a man spares his son who serves him and you will again see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked between those who serve god and those who do not how precious that under the new covenant we have jesus as our righteousness right so when I come to God, I'm not coming as Shannon. I'm coming as no longer alive, but Christ Jesus dwelling in me. So I get to approach the throne of grace boldly with confidence. And so now that scripture is written for every single person who in obedience has believed in their heart, confessed with their mouth, baptized. Have they have done all of those steps of obedience? Then I am righteous. And every time we get together, every time we're at church or we're at Starbucks and we're celebrating the things of God, every testimony we share, God's listening. And he's like, ah, oh, yeah, they're bragging on me. Oh, those are my kids. Angel, did you hear it? They're talking about me. I love it when they celebrate me. And he's writing notes. He's taking notes. He loves when we proclaim his name. He, We're made in his image. And if somebody says something nice about me, I feel pretty good. I'm like, oh, yeah." you know but if somebody's like who do you think you are you never come through gosh what's wrong with you i've been waiting forever you're always late that's not going to make my heart feel very good right so why do we do that to the lord where he has feelings and we talk about him we grumble and we complain all the time and he's like ow that kind of hurts Not so that we'll feel condemned and bad, but that we'll be aware of how our actions affect his heart. He's already put his whole heart on the line. Jesus came and he said, all of me, all of the treasures of heaven, my identity, my righteousness, my perfect life. I give it to you, beloved. I give it to you. I celebrate you and I love you. And I can't wait until we're together and we're going to be wedding celebrations. And together we're going to have so much fun. He's up there. His heart's already on the line. His heart is exposed to us. And sometimes we live down here and we're just like, yeah, well, you know, God doesn't answer my prayers. Well, my life just looks like whatever. Maybe he does something for his life, but not for mine. And he's like, ow. You know, that's, that's his heart that you're talking about. It's his faithfulness that you're talking about. And so the word that I felt like the Lord wanted to share is that we live in the not yet that many of the promises of God are just not yet. So we need to have a kingdom perspective that just because today, that thing I'm waiting for, praying for, hoping for, desiring for, maybe it's not today. Maybe it's not this season. But by golly, my God is faithful. And the same God who promised will complete the work he has begun in Christ Jesus. So we know from the life of Joseph... At 17, he has this dream and he's like, yay, I'm so awesome. I'm going to have this amazing dream. A little bit braggadocious, keeps telling the same guys who don't like him, the same dream, not a lot of wisdom, not a lot of discernment, right? Because he's young. So when we're young in the Lord, God is quick to just pour out. Here's my hope for you. Here's that roller coaster that I'm going to have you walk into, that destiny that's going to be so crazy, it's going to blow your mind. And for Joseph, it was a dream that his brothers and even his parents would bow down to him. That's a pretty heady dream, right? And at 17, he probably would have been a ridiculous ruler. He probably would have been very self-absorbed. It's about me. And I'm going to say a bunch of stuff to other people when it's probably not a good time to do so. He didn't have wisdom and maturing. So the Lord puts a hope. He releases a word and a destiny And so a lot of times we get all excited, we get ramped up, and it's like like we're at Disneyland or Six Flags, and there's this big roller coaster, and it's like, God, you have this promise, or you have this desire, or Lord, I just would wish that you would give me this one thing. And I look for it, and I feel like it's just right there. I can just reach it. It's like 20 yards ahead of me. And then God goes, okay, that's your destiny. Now we're going to work on character. Now we're going to work on you getting mature in Christ. So... We now get in line, and if you know anything about those lines, they are forever long. You stand in line, and you wait in your faithfulness, and you just go, God, this doesn't look like my destiny at all. Lord, how is driving a bus a part of my destiny? How is raising kids by myself alone as a single mom, how is this part of my destiny? This makes no sense to me. That's where, like God brought the Israelites out of Egypt yay miracle yay god brought me out i'm so healed i'm so delivered oh praise the lord they come through the river and they're on the other side god does miracles and then they start grumbling and he doesn't do it quick enough and he promises the promised land but we don't have the leeks and the garlic we don't have what's familiar now we start looking back at all the stuff that we had in our old life Well, when I partied before I came to Christ, at least I had fun. Like, gosh, this life's boring. It can be if you choose to make it boring or you can make it really fun. So I can look back at Egypt and I can go, oh, that was better. Because right now, all I see is desert. That's all I see. And we faint in well-doing. We give up before the Lord has revealed that thing. And here's the thing. I believe that we're in that line. And then I take another turn and I'm like, Lord, this really has nothing to do with my destiny. You must have forgotten me. I must be over here in left field. Maybe I've done disobedience. Maybe I'm out of your alignment. I don't know what's going on. Maybe I've sinned and I've backslidden. Maybe I've done something and, and you just don't really remember me over here. And the accuser of the brethren is making sure that feels true. Right? So by faith, now I have to go. yet. Yet. God, just because I don't see it today yet, it's not yet, but it's coming. My God will fulfill his promises. Every promise is yes and amen in Christ Jesus, and it will be completed. So even the great fame of history in Hebrews where it talks to all the people of faith, some of them didn't even see it in their life. But every promise that was committed unto them is fulfilled even today. So whether I see it in my life or my children or my grandchildren, wherever it happens, God will complete the work he's begun. My part is like the Israelites, right? So they're in line, they're marching, they're in the desert. God promises something, but now my life is just delay, delay. What? I didn't get the job. I didn't get the promotion. Like, what is this? Maybe I get fired. At one point, I got fired. And I really in my heart was like, oh, my gosh, Lord, I don't think you can use someone who's been fired because that's just the ultimate disqualifier. Maybe I've been divorced. Oh, my gosh. Now I can't be used. Maybe I've whatever my thing is. And I disqualify myself when God's like, was it your righteousness to begin with? Do you think you're that great that I uh, came because you of all people are this righteous person? Our righteousness is filthy rags to begin with. So trying to show him how great I am really is kind of funny. Instead, I need to tell him how great Jesus is. I need to agree with what the cross has done. and irrespective of what the accuser says to me, and he tries to make me feel bad and small and hidden, and I want to come back here. I go, no, but it is written. Here's what God says about that matter. And then I go to war, and I take scripture, and I have people praying for me. I get wise counselors to surround me. And I'm very careful to eliminate the people who are not wise counselors who are going to be like, yeah, just leave him. You know, he doesn't treat you right. I mean, God just wants you to be happy after all. So, you know, just do what makes you happy. Those are not wise counselors. There is no scripture that says pick up your cross because Jesus wants you to be happy. Your cross is part of your destiny and it will bring joy and it will bring peace and revelation and healing and restoration. But it's not going to bring temporal happiness. There is times where we have to die. We have to let that flesh, that old thing, that old comforter, the thing that I usually turn to. I have to say no to it at some point. And I have to say, yes, God, you are faithful. I'm going to get back in line and I'm going to do my part. I'm going to serve at Sunday school. I'm going to be nice to the kid at school who's mean to me. I'm going to be obedient to my parents when I totally think they're not fair. I'm going to do what is in my part of life to be faithful to steward this. If I'm a steward who is faithful with little, God can start trusting us with more, right? God is not a bad businessman. If he was a business owner, right, would he just hire the first guy out of high school? Right, for a multi million dollar business, would he say this huge corporation, would he go, Okay, you know, you're fourteen and you don't know how to drive yet, but this sounds like a good idea to put you in that position. Probably not, right? God's gonna take time to mature us, to season us, to allow us to go through disappointments and heartbreak where I have to stand by myself and by faith I declare the promises of God when everything in my circumstance looks opposite. That's where substance is being formed. Because the days will come, like Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, where our country's getting a lot more like Egypt, day by day, right? Where there's going to be days where the world's going to say, "Kneel, bend your knee to something. And as a country, everyone's going to do it, and it's politically correct, and it's nice, and it's good, and it's, and it's disobedience. You're bending your knee to something that's not God. Whatever that thing is in your personal life with your friends at the bar culture or as a nation, whatever that thing is, there is something on the inside of us that needs to be an iron rod that I will not bend my knee to what this culture says that is God to them. I have a God in heaven who is faithful, who is just, who will keep his promises. And even though I am going through the fire of affliction right now, and I, like David said, I could look at everybody else and their life seems so easy. All the people in the world, they're celebrating. It's easy. Money comes easy to them. Oh, that's great. He's like, I almost, oh, I, oh, I wish I had that, right? And then the Lord showed him their end. And that caused a real fear in the Lord to come back of, yeah, this is worth it, God. Maybe their life is easy. Maybe my life is a little harder right now. But Paul said, count it all glory, joy. Count it all joy. There's treasures in heaven, and I believe even here on earth. Jesus said, everything the disciples gave up on earth will be rewarded in heaven as well as on earth. He is very much the God of sowing and reaping. Not in a love way. He loves us all the time. But as our life and what I call steward of my city, I'm the responsible person to take care of my life. If I keep stewarding my life in gluttony, that's going to lead to health problems. That's not God's fault if I have health problems. If I keep overspending and not being a wise steward of my finances, it's not God's fault that I'm in bankruptcy. If I flirt with everybody under the sun and I just kind of do whatever and play around with it, That is not God's fault that my marriage falls apart. It is not his fault how we steward our life. He's right there. He's a best friend. And I can turn to him and say, Lord, I'm getting tempted here. God, this trial is getting tough. And I choose to lean into him or I go back to what I'm used to leaning into. We all have a propensity towards sin. And some Christians are better at hiding it. It's more in our hearts. Maybe it's self-reliance. That's a form of idolatry, right? I'm looking to my strength, my ability, my whatever to be able to be my sufficiency instead of Christ. Anywhere that I put my hope, I lean, I put my strength, all of that stuff is coming from something other than the Lord. I'm looking into an area of idolatry. Scripture says that's like witchcraft. So when I'm in witchcraft, that means I've now given legal access for the enemy To have legal access to now mess with my life. Has nothing to do with God. God still loves me. I'm still his righteous. I'm still chosen. He's cheering me on in heaven. But as the steward of my life, I've come out of agreement with whatever obedience that he's liking me to walk in. I've gotten out of line. And now I'm over here doing it my way. And we live in a very do it my way culture, right? I'll just do it my way. I mean, what's good for you is good for you, but I'll do it my way and everybody just relatively do it your own way. I don't see that in scripture. God is very serious about his word. He is compassionate and he is loving and he is faithful and he is good. But now I'm the steward to have to come into agreement with, yes, Lord, this is true. Or I'll do it my way. And he's over there going, I love you. You don't have to live like that. It doesn't have to be like that child of God. And we're over here complaining. And I do therapy every day. I'm a psychologist. And I hear more Christians complaining about their life saying, God isn't faithful. God didn't keep his promise. God forgot about me. Or God just wants me to be happy. So this little affair, it's not that big of a deal. And I'm seeing believers. People who are blood-bought believers. People who confess the name of Jesus. And before we cast the first stone, we all look at our own lives. Some of us are just a little bit more on the inside, right? Some of us have really clean lives, but on the inside, maybe I'm giving in to fear. That's unbelief. That's doubt. That's telling God you're not enough. That's speaking small of an almighty, amazing God. That's going to hurt his feelings, right? That's walking in disobedience. Doubt is unbelief unforgiveness any area where I don't extend forgiveness God said he cannot forgive me I'm the unmerciful servant and now in the parable Jesus gave of the unmerciful servant I'm now handed over to the tormentor these are all truths that as the steward of my city I need to be aware of what scripture says on some of these issues rather than going well they did me dirty So I'm not going back to that church or I'm not going to think this and this about that denomination. If they're the body of Christ, even if they have messed up and they failed because we're Jesus, none of us are going to be perfect, right? Every denomination is going to mess up. But if I now speak badly about that part of the body of Christ, he said, how can you love me and yet curse your brother? Not to mention it's the body of Christ. So now you're speaking about his bride not just a person. You're talking about the beloved of Christ. He loves us in the midst of our sin. And me, of all people, know God loves me passionately, even when I was a sinner. And I've only been a Christian, so that means I willfully sin. That means I've made choices to willfully hang out in this region of life. And my life was awful, and it was depressing, and it was sad, and boys used me because I allowed it I allowed myself to stay in that neck of the woods and that's not God's fault I can't blame God for the quality of life if I'm living outside the parameters because remember he has me in line over here if I would be faithful in this part of territory now I'm under his covering because there's an obedient way of life that has to do with sowing and reaping God always loves me always likes me but if I'm making choices over here going, it's not that big of a deal. It's just a little bit. It's cute. It's pet. God probably laughs at it. Not that God's like this angry, mean guy. It's actually the fact of just sowing and reaping. You know? Like, if as an employee, if I just take a little bit of the money on the side, if I just do a little bit and it's not that big of a deal, a good boss is not going to trust me as an employee, right? Right? sowing and reaping i'm probably going to lose that job that is not god's fault i make choices every day every day i make a thousand micro choices based on the thoughts that pop in my head and according to those thoughts i meditate on them i let them hang out or i say stop in the name of jesus and i renew my mind and i say but it is written Here's the truth of what God says about whatever topic, whether it's myself, whether it's my boss, my situation. I have a mean boss and he's, you know, whatever, and blah, 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 blah. Aren't there a lot of parables that Jesus gives about stewards and their heart toward their master? If I can't be obedient to my earthly master, what makes me think I could ever be obedient to my heavenly master? So if I'm not being... (laughs) So everything in the natural parallels, right? If I can't be nice and kind to the women at church or to the men at church, what makes me think that I'm going to have easy fellowship with the Godhead? Everything parallels. This is all metaphors until we finally get that wedding day when Jesus is like, yay, my bride, I can't wait to party. All of this is God preparing us to be that beautiful bride. And over the weekend, I shared how I believe we're like a diamond. And that when God looks at us, he really sees beauty and splendor, something incredible, and he loves us. We are without spot, wrinkle, or blemish. We're made in his image, and it's beautiful. But on top of that, we live in a fallen world, right? So we have some maybe sin nature rock, some disobedience, some pride, some rebellion, some haughtiness, some whatever on the top. That's just kind of clouding that diamond from being able to shine the way it was intended to. There's all kinds of incredible anointed people who live defeated lives, mad at God because he keeps withholding, when really maybe we're still on that potter's will. Maybe we're still in line where God's putting a holy highlighter on an area of my life going, sweetheart, that's not, that's not good for you. You can continue to do it. I'm going to love you because I'm your dad. But as a dad, I'm going to love you enough to tell you that that anger, that's not good for you. And that's going to keep you from your destiny. It's going to keep you from authentic relationship with others. And if I have anger and hate, right, that's going to directly impact the quality of relationship that I experience with the Lord. Everything in my heart affects my relationship here, my relationship with myself, my quality of inner life. That's like self-talk, how I view myself, am I worthless or worthy, all those things, and my relationship with others. It also affects my relationship with my destiny. Because all along, the Lord is really good at watching our life and going, is she ready? Holy Spirit, what do you think? How are we doing? You know, let's put her through another fire and see how she responds. I was in a work environment where I was very unjustly treated, uh, the Christian minority, all the bad things that aren't supposed to happen in the world. And in my heart, I defended myself. And I said, this is not right. Everybody else in diversity gets to defend their act of diversity. Why not me as a Christian? Not fair. I didn't say anything. I was very sweet, very nice Christian girl. But in my heart, God's watching, right? I'm in the refiner's fire. How is she going to respond? And he's going, oh, she's defending herself. Okay. Keep her on the potter's wheel. <laughs> she's not ready. Keep cooking. Keep cooking. Until finally, I started listening to some good teachings that spoke on the issue of don't defend yourself, even in your heart. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. When I actually come into agreement with what the truth of Scripture says, it radically changes my daily decisions, right? It's not just this nice book that's really cool and I need to read it as of a discipline. But I mean, when I take that scripture and I say, okay, you know, when you're unjustly treated, thank God for it. Celebrate that. Because apparently it's him testing my character. He's going, is she ready? So eventually after too long, I finally said, okay, God, I release them. I release the injustice. I will not defend myself even in my heart anymore. And it was the quickest transformation that there was just peace released in my atmosphere. We didn't become bosom buddies at work but there was this incredible peace that settled over and by the end of that year working there god vindicated me he honored me and i got to do a project that brought in spirituality and faith as a dimension of diversity in therapy but i could have done it my way i could have said this is not fair file a complaint, let everybody know it's not okay to treat Christians like this. You know, it's not okay to treat women like this. It's not okay to treat this ethnicity like this. It's not okay to treat this, you know, whatever your category is, whatever the enemy would say, oh, stand up for your rights. That's not okay. They treat you. It doesn't mean we don't have boundaries and wisdom and relationship. We don't get walked on, but we also don't vindicate ourselves. There's another example of that. When I was in Indonesia, and I was teaching, um, and people before I went all prayed for me, and they're like, Shannon, we see you teaching, and you have a headscarf on, and the glory of the Lord is so shining all around you that the kingdom is being advanced as you speak. And I was like, oh, that's great, thanks, that's nice, Uh uh-huh, cool, great. I'm going on my trip, I speak at all these places, and then one day, I'm at this Muslim school, because I'm in an area where it's Sharia law, like it's actually illegal for me to be there, so... Um, And I'm coming as a psychologist, not as a Christian. So I am a Christian, right? How Paul said we are in the world, but not of the world. We're seated with Christ. So I'm like spiritual operative going into dark places, but I'm doing it in a way that is appropriate. Okay? So I'm coming in as a psychologist, and I'm speaking to principals and teachers, uh, Muslim principals and teachers in this region of Sharia law. And so I'm talking, and it was just chaos. And it was like, I had this migraine. I don't even get migraines. And it was just headache. Oh, my gosh, it hurts so bad. And the ladies were being very disrespectful because I'm young, right? And in their culture, elders are the smart ones. Young people need to learn from the elders, which I do believe. I, I love elders. But that was their mindset is that I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm this young, stupid little girl, and what sh- you know, and I'm white. So I very much don't look like their culture either. Um, And so it was just a very hard difficult day and it was just getting worse and the more I tried the worse it was getting so we go for a lunch break and um, they go for their time of prayer midday and so they take me down to this principal's office downstairs And I'm laying there, and I'm just miserable, and I have this pounding headache that I've never had as bad in my entire life, and I'm just, like, sick and nauseated, and I can't eat, which for me is a big indication that I'm not feeling well. Like, I just was awful sick. And so all of a sudden, all these thoughts flood my mind of, Shannon, you don't have to take this. You're an American. You're a doctor. You don't have to let them treat you like this. You should stand up for yourself. You should go back there and let them know who you think you are. And uh, and all these thoughts. And it was just flooding me. And it was like causing my heart to beat. And I was like, righteous indignation. Yes. I don't have to put up with this. And I'm laying there. My eyes are closed. And I'm like f- picturing myself standing up for myself. And oh, it's going to be so great. And then God. Caused that picture to come back to my mind of the girl who prayed for me and said, Shannon, I see you preaching with a headscarf. All my days. I never preached with a headscarf except that one day. That was the only day I had my headscarf on and I was like, okay, God, you know what? While they're all at their prayer time, they just left me alone in the principal's office. I might as well get up and do a little prayer walk while I'm here. So I have an incredible migraine and I'm like, okay. Enemy, you thought you were going to trick me into defending myself and saying a bunch of mean stuff, right? I would be that that American. So I get up and I have a splitting headache and I'm just like, I confess this ground for Jesus Christ. I bind the enemy. I claim my healing at the cross that by his stripes I am healed. I declare these students will be saved. This region will be saved. Our God is a mighty God and this principal will serve Jesus. They left me alone in the principal's office. How strategic is the Lord? So I'm confessing the ground. I still have a headache, but I'm just like mad at the enemy because now I'm remembering that word that came before I walked into the season, that preparation word of Shannon. Something's going to happen that you're going to need that glory to shine around you. So then I come back, I finish. After I did my little prayer walk, I stood back up on the podium, headache was gone, I felt perfectly healthy, and the women were like captive audiences, and everything I said, they were like sponges. They were taking pictures with me at the end, and they're looking like, like just, oh my gosh, like I'm this little celebrity. They tell me afterward, I'm the first American, first woman, because, you know, it's a very male culture, first woman, first female, first Christian to ever speak to that group of people. If I had unhooked and gotten out of line and did it my way, I would have been another awful American, another cheesy uh, woman, another hypocrite Christian. The impact of the decisions we make every day have eternal consequences every micro decision my mind was flooded and i felt like it was true and it was right and i need to defend myself i could have and god would still love me all day long my destiny has nothing to do with his love for me but in my free will i can step outside of line and i can go do it my way the next thing i found out is they were deciding whether to let their the first christian teacher come in and speak a certain language which by the way, he didn't know it, God um, gave him, uh, the language was English, God gave him uh, English through tongues. So he had never learned English. And so he would just pray in tongues until all of a sudden it sounded a lot like English. So every person he talked to, he's like, hey, what does that sound like to you? So he became an English teacher based on his prayer language. (laughs) So that's kind of cool. So they were at the point of deciding whether to trust this Christian man to be allowed to teach in their school. If me, as a Christian, would have given that bad name, that bad taste in their mouth, no way would he have gotten hired. They would have said, no way, we don't want any more weirdos or defend their rights type people. We just want, you know, chill people. I let God vindicate me. He honored me. And then it paved the way for a brother in Christ To now be strategically placed in a Muslim school where there is no Christian influence and now there is. So greater is he who is in the world than he, (laughs) greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. So if you feel like you're alone in your Christian, you know, walk and you're all by yourself at your workplace or at your home or your neighborhood or wherever you go or even you go on the mission field and you're by yourself, there's places in America where we're very by ourselves as Christians, right? We are that representation. We are that ambassador. So let's do it with love and with compassion. Let's do it well. Let's stay in line and just be faithful while we're waiting for the Lord to do whatever he is doing when I can't see it. Just because it's not yet doesn't mean it will not come to pass. Right? The Israelites, the you know, Pharisees, all those guys missed the very Messiah standing in front of them. Because they wanted it to happen a certain way. They wanted him to come, military. They wanted the, you know. And I have all these expectations that I put on God. Okay, God, by this age, I'm going to be here. And then my finances are going to look like this, my life. And I'm going to be married. And I'm going to have 4.2 children. And this is how it's going to look. Here's my expectation, God. And the Messiah might be walking in my life. And I totally miss it. And I murmur and complain. And I go, see, I knew God doesn't keep his promises. I knew blah, 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 blah. So for me, I was five years old and I knew I wanted to be a missionary. I knew I wanted to be in ministry since I was five. Then I went a whole bunch of other routes. (laughs) And so this is my encouragement for everybody who's walked outside of line. I've been there and I've done really bad things as a believer. I don't even have a pre-conversion story to tell you. I've loved God since I was conscious. Like, I've really just loved the Lord my entire life. But I have willfully sinned. I've stepped out of line. I've gotten way over here. But my Redeemer lives, right? It's not just for the point of salvation. Every day, I need my Redeemer. I need restoration. I need my healer. I need a Savior today. Not just at the point of my salvation. I need Him today. Every day, I have a Goliath that I need my God. I'm going to battle every day in little ways. And I think one of the ways the enemy uses it is he makes them small. They don't seem like big things, right? It's just these little compromises. It's just this little stuff. It's just relying on my money and my, you know, ability to provide instead of God's ability to provide. It doesn't mean I'm not working and faithful with my job, but if my hope is in this bank account? And if the economy fails, I'm like having panic attacks because if we don't have money, how are we going to make it, honey? Oh my gosh. Well, isn't God faithful to complete the good work? Isn't he my provider? Isn't he my source? That even the Israelites ate manna? So there is going to be a day where we're all going to be shaken. Our country's going in a whole bunch of directions. But that doesn't stop the faithfulness of our God. When I said, <gasps> Lord, I recognize I'm in left field. Father, I repent. I come out of agreement with this sin, this sin, this sin. I repent. I repent. I come out of agreement. Forgive me for living like that. And I come into agreement with your truth. I come into agreement that you like me. You love me. The cross is enough. The blood sanctifies me. I am righteous in Christ Jesus, and I lack no good thing for righteousness and godliness. So that's what his word says. So let's go ahead and agree with the truth no matter how long I've stayed in the yucky part of life, in one minute I can be brought back into line, click the rope. And now I'm back in line. And the sweet part of God is he showed me, Shannon, here, were you, here you were when you were little and you wanted that desire. Then you want, in your free will, you went way, way over here in left field, way over here. Way over here. And then he said, in my mercy, in my goodness, in your unfaithfulness, I'm faithful. In your unrighteousness, I am righteous. I will bring you back. I will cause the events of your life to completely bring you back in line with the trajectory I have for you. So today, I'm getting to do the desire of my heart, not because of my righteousness and my good works, but because that's the plan of God on my life. Partnered with the fact that when I gotten back in line, now it's my job to stay faithful to the Lord when nobody's watching. <laughs> to not cheat on the test, you know, to not gossip, to not bully, to not go along with what everybody else says about the dorky kid. Maybe that dorky kid is going to commit suicide if somebody doesn't come over and be like, hey, have lunch with us why don't you be our friend, right? What if one of those people are the very people that need to hear the gospel? You know, like maybe one of those people are the next Billy Graham. And if you're the person that's kind to them and shows them Jesus with skin on, maybe you could alter a destiny. And like Smith Wigglesworth, his wife. She was sweet and precious and adorable. He's an evangelist, by the way, who just like did miracle after miracle. Totally revival for our nation. He was an awful, mean, horrible man. He hated her faith and he was horribly jealous of it. And so one time he got mad at her. She stayed late, maybe at a church meeting or something. And so he's like, if you do that again, I'm locking you out and you're not welcome back. So he locks the door and she sleeps on the doorstep. And he opens the door in the morning. Is like, what are you doing here? And she's like, good morning. What can I make you for breakfast? Burning coals on his head, right? Isn't scripture true when it says, hey, if you're kind to somebody who's kind to you, what credit is that? Even the unrighteous do that. But if I'm kind to the person who's mean to me, who makes me sleep on the doorstep, who treats me like whatever, such burning coals on his head, he had to know about the God. That had transformed her life so much. He became one of the craziest revivalist. Miracle signs and wonders. So even at school. You don't know. The next Smith Wigglesworth. The next Catherine Kuhlman. Another great evangelist. All the people that are around you. That aren't walking in their destiny yet. That look like a complete mess. And in my days. I looked like a complete mess. Nobody would have looked at Shannon. And been like. Hey you should be on stage a minister. No, they would not, right? But my God sees a destiny in every single one of you. He sees it before we ever do. So we want to live with destiny in mind. And that's what helps me stay in line. Because at every point, there's a shortcut. The enemy is always right there with an opportunity. Every time I'm usually doing marriage counseling... People will start to get better, and all of a sudden, this guy really pays attention to her and, you know, really thinks she's the coolest at work. Or all of a sudden, his secretary is just so just vibrant and just really thinks he's amazing. There's counterfeit everywhere we go. There's always an opportunity to get out of line and do it my way. And, they, and we can. We can shortcut because I'm the steward of my life. You know, I can brush my teeth. I cannot brush my teeth. That's not God's fault if I get, you know, dental problems, right? I can flirt with the devil. I can do my little cutesy thing and think it's not going to be a big deal. It's my quality of life that suffers. And like the Israelites, it can take 40 years to get to my destiny. Or poor um, Caleb and uh, Joshua, they're like, yes, our God can do it. Yes, he can do it. They're the only two that got to walk into the promised land, right? The whole generation passed away, but the two that would stand up and say a good report. When everybody around us, when our whole culture is saying, give up hope, despair, bad things are coming, oh my gosh. My God is bigger than the economy. My God is bigger than an election. My God is bigger. Maybe this is big. Maybe these are giants and legitimate giants but you're talking about my promised land. So he who is in me is greater and he will accomplish the great work. He will do it. My God will do it. And we start proclaiming the name of the Lord. And it says he's here looking at us going, oh, somebody stood up and believed me. Somebody praised me when maybe their own life was going through hard stuff. Angel, did you hear it? Hey, Jesus, they talked about us. Man, their life is hard right now, but they're still being faithful to proclaim the name of Christ. Wow. Alan and Yvette have been faithful, have been faithful, have been faithful. And this is a church that I would say has been faithful. And when I was worshiping back there, I felt like the Lord was saying, you're getting ready for a promotion. Because in the hidden place where nobody's watching, where you're just being diligent and faithful, you've been in line. You've been preparing your sermons, leading the children, you know, being a janitor, doing every little job around. God is going to showcase you and this church. This church is getting ready for promotion, He has seen your faithfulness. And so, as a church, wouldn't it be great to just honor them? (laughs) is the same way that we stood and honored them. I believe God works in a culture of honor that every time I say no to my flesh and I'm like, Lord, I really want such and such, but I say no. He's like, yeah! Woo! Yeah! Finally, somebody believes me. Yes! Just be faithful. Just because it's not yet doesn't mean it's not on the docket of heaven. It doesn't mean it's not around the corner. Just believe me. Believe me, saints. Just believe. Get back in line. Be kind to your spouse. Be that parent that has to clean up, throw up 12 times a night. Do what you need to do to be faithful in this season. And he is cheering you on. The great cloud of witnesses is cheering us on. So there's no one disqualified. That is a lie from the enemy. Uh, Maybe those people. Right? Who least deserved Jesus' love than Mary Magdalene, right? Of all people, that lady? I mean, she was about very religious people. The Pharisees, and all the people who did all the right works. They went to synagogue regularly. They quoted the word. You know, they did everything right. God's not looking for empty tombs of people who just do the right thing, but their heart is far from him, right? So wouldn't it be so precious if along that way we became like Mary Magdalene and said, God, I have sinned great. But those who've been forgiven much love much.
0: You are listening to Worship and the Word with Generations Church of Granbury.
1: My encouragement is that we don't stay in our sin and then we feel bad and then we feel condemned and shameful. And then we go, oh, I don't want to go to church. I don't want to feel bad when I go there. Ugh, you know? But it's like, don't don't allow the enemy to keep your life in muck. Because truthfully, it's your choice to stay in muck or to get back in line. It's as easy as this. God, I repent of... You know, pride. I repent of judgment. I repent of arrogance. God, I repent of murmuring and complaining. I repent of doubt. I repent of whatever I need to. I come out of agreement with that old lie that you're holding out on me. Or that you kind of don't really, you're not involved in my life. Whatever the lie is. Whatever I've been believing. I come out of agreement with it in Jesus' name. I come into agreement with the truth that this is what your word says. Here it is written. Right. Jesus always had the enemy coming at him with lies. It is written. Here's the word of God. So what I do is I'll take a scripture or several and I'll get a flashcard, and I'll just write those scriptures out. And for me, not everybody's different. I will march until that scripture feels true. I get up and I activate my body, my mind, my soul and my relationships, so that now that feels true. If I'm in a faith season, I'm buying every CD and teaching on faith I can get. And I'm going, okay, Lord, we're going to go into another battle. I need to be strengthened and equipped. Shannon, if she's just kind of floaty, you know, if I haven't been working out and I'm just going to go do a, you know, marathon, probably not a good idea, right? I need to be ready in season and out of season. So my hope is that we would become proactive, That we would start positioning our lives, structuring the quality of life so that when the storms do come, and they will, that I have a strong foundation, that my life isn't just built on the sand, that I'm tossed to and fro in my emotions, and I'm upset. And now, well, if that happens, then I'm just going back to the world because at least my friends here understand me. That's fine, but it's your quality of life. You're the one that now has to live in the muck and the mire. You sow that. Now your life's going to be harder. And it's not God's fault. If I make the choice to hang out there, I'm going to get more of that. If I look at my problem and I start going, oh, my God, I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't do this. It's not my fault that I probably can't because now I've psyched myself up. Instead, I start idolizing God instead of the problem I look to God and I say, God, you can. God, we can. We can do this. We can do this. My God is faithful. We can do this, Lord. We can do this. I don't care what it is. I'm tired. I'm weary. But God, you are faithful and you will do it. And so when I come back in line in his love, his mercy and his gentleness, his compassion, Like the prodigal son, every time he wraps his arms around us, he cleans us off. He's like, it's okay, beloved. Come back. We're back in line. That's okay. I love you. No, I love you too. Yeah, we love you too. Yeah, we're good. You get back in line, and before you know it, this destiny that God's been preparing and equipping, this incubator process that we've been on, He's been removing rock by rock. The prunings in our life that hurt so bad are not just God being mean or judging or, you know, bad things just happening. The enemy just has free reign in my life. Sometimes it's character transformation. And if I keep going through the same issue over and over, odds are good. Holy Spirit's putting a holy highlighter on an area of my life that he's like, sweetheart, until we resolve this, we can't go into the next phase of your destiny. So I want to be real teachable. I want to be real quick because the Israelites didn't have to stay that long in the wilderness. God loves us with compassion and great mercy. We're sealed. I'm saved. But now I'm the steward to want to make sure my life gets there with the highest quality of life, that I get abundance, that I live strategically in a way that I'm preparing myself so that when those doors and opportunities open, we're ready. Yes, Lord, let's go. Let's do it. I'm ready. When somebody says something mean, I can be kind and sweet. One time, uh, a friend called me, and she's like, Shannon, I feel like someone's going to really come against you, and there's just going to be this peace settle over you. So a couple days later, I'm, you know, praying and interceding while I'm watching one of the call. Uh, they pray for the nation type of a thing at a Starbucks. But I'm doing it, you know, quietly in my spirit. This homeless woman is pacing outside, comes inside, and she starts cussing at me. She's like, I know what you're doing. You're blah, 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 like right in my face. All these people at Starbucks are just staring. And I'm like, oh. and everything inside of me is like, I don't have to let her talk to me like this. This is not appropriate. I'm a child of God. I know who I am. And I said, God, I receive your peace. And it was just this peace settled over me. And this incredible love that Shannon does not have (laughs) said, Jesus really, really loves you, ma'am. He really, really loves you. She flipped out and ran around the corner. But that was a seed, right? She spoke vile against me. She cussed me out. And with the love of Jesus... He just wooed that heart just because I didn't see it completed. That doesn't mean he's not finished, right? Another time, my friend and I were hanging out and it was one of those nights where everybody was just, uh, we just couldn't help but stop and pray with people, right? And that's not always my life, but that just happened to be that night. And so we saw this African-American guy and he just looked all thug out and he was like tough and, you know, all that stuff, Right. And so I just, I like had to, like, it was one of those compulsions where it's like, really don't give in to fear of man. If there's a strong need to do something, just act in obedience. Even if the person says no, what's the worst that can happen, right? So I step out and I'm like, hey, sir, um, I don't know if it's okay if I uh, pray with you. I just feel like the Lord really loves you. And he's like, oh, you Christians, gosh, I just got out of prison today. And I keep trying to get alcohol, but every corner I go to, there's now three Christians who have stopped me (laughs) and prayed for me. So we prayed for him. And I closed my eyes, and I'm like, like praying, praying, praying. And my friend has her eyes open because he still looks a little thug. And so that man just started softening and just tears falling. Because by the third Christian, just because you don't see the completed work of what your smile, what your kindness, the little act that you do, we are just the third one in that one day. God had positioned people to sow, to water, and to harvest. So in our life of faithfulness, my encouragement is to be so head over heels, crazy in love with Jesus... That you can't help but proclaim his name. That you can't help but smile. You can't hope but radiate the hope that lies within. You can't help but hold his hand and just be lovesick with him. If there's distance, it's not on his end. He really does like us. I grew up hearing Jesus loves you, Jesus loves you, Jesus loves you. The day I found out he actually likes me, like he likes me, he delights in me, he enjoys me, was the coolest day. He enjoys you. He likes you. He wants to spend time with you. So as you're in the grocery store, as you're, you know, standing in line at the whatever checkout, that's the time where he'd love to grab your hand and just be in fellowship. Because I cannot do this line and waiting and waiting and waiting where it seems like, why am I walking this way, God? When God has this incredible call in my life, And I'm like, God, why am I way back here doing this? This makes absolutely no sense, Lord. He's preparing you for that. Just be faithful. Just keep waiting. You're going to go through the refiner's fire. It's just working on maturity and character. He's taking rocks off. That's all. He's not unfaithful. He's not forgetting his word. All the stuff that's happened isn't just whatever. It is sealed and it is done. When God says something, he is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he would change his mind. It will be accomplished in his time. So I live in the not yet. Here's the promise, God. I'm not there yet. And so that's what helps me stay faithful. When I'm in the wilderness, the back 40 going, seriously, where is my life? Why am I living this Monday? No good for nothing. Why am I taking care of animals? (sighs) Lord, we have nations to save. Lord, I want to go out there and do all these wonderful things. David had to know the Lord. Right? Abraham had to know the Lord. Moses knew the Lord. So the only way we're going to make it to our destiny is if we take every little precious moment and enjoy it with God. Where I have an eternal perspective that daddy, today's good. Thank you for today. I love you too. We're in relationship. Hey God, what would you like to do next? Lord, what's around the corner for us? Hey, God, that disappointed me. That hurt. Hey, God, I'm even mad at you. Hey, Lord, here's my heart. Right? We live in authenticity where my heart is open. He has complete access to every chamber. He's not mean. He's not disappointed. He's not looking at you going, oh, really? He knows all of it anyway. So why not allow the lover of my soul to bring the healing, the compassion, the comfort, nurturance that I need to heal it? that I need to be so sweetly in fellowship with my beloved that I actually start to enjoy being in line. Like when I was in youth group, there would be those lines that would just be forever and you'd just wait and then the roller coaster was only like 10 minutes and you'd be like, oh, is it really worth that? Or there's the times that you're like with friends, you know, and you're laughing and you're enjoying yourself and the process is part of the fun. I would love to encourage you that today is part of the fun. Today is part of your destiny. You see, in part, we don't see the full yet. But today is fun. Today, we live in a country where we get to go out to eat, we get to talk the gospel, we get to share things, and heaven's watching with bated breath to see, what is she going to say next? What does he want to say next? Is he going to brag about me some more? Is he going to tell people how nice and good I am? Or is he going to say, yeah, yeah, you know, I'm I'm a Christian. Whatever, you know, whatever. That kind of hurts feelings, right? And so for us, let's enjoy Jesus today.
0: Thank you for tuning in today for Worship and the Word with Generations Church. You may hear our radio broadcast again at the same time and station next week. If you do not have a church congregation to call home, and you live near the Granbury area, we would love to invite you to come check us out some Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Our meeting facilities are located at 5718 East Highway 377 on the Fort Worth side of Granbury. And our website is at generationschurch.org.
1: Thanks again for tuning in to Worship and the Word. You may hear our next hour-long broadcast at the same time and station next week. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May He cause His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Almighty lift up His countenance upon you and give you His amazing peace that surpasses understanding.
0: I came back again